All right, weekend's episode 11. Here we go. We've got a special guest. Before we introduce him, though, Roberto's classic. He last episode was number ten with the maestro Roberto. What do we got for eleven? Who who are the who are the famous elevens? Uh, well, eleven, you're going to get a lot of good like soccer wings and stuff. But let's bring it to basketball. I love Kyrie Irving. Uh, he's a dog. Number eleven, and then Clay Thompson, second, maybe third best shooter of all time. So so we'll run with those. Uh, Isaiah Thomas too. OG Isaiah Pistons Isaiah number eleven as well. So it's a good basketball number. Strong intro, great numbers. All right, on that. In terms of strong intros, here comes one. We've got our first guest ever on the pod, Zach Pograb, father of obsession. I, that actually kind of sounds sick. We should stick with that. But this is the obsession guy. He's a homie. He's building, growing super, super fast. We've talked about him on the last couple episodes, broken down his story a little bit. Super excited to have him on. Zach, welcome to the show as a first official guest. Thanks, boys. I'm a, I've been a big fan of you both for a while, so it's cool to have this time, just chat and Let's rip. Hell yeah. So yeah, we could take it a lot of different ways. I feel like maybe we should start with what we were talking about before we started recording, which is kind of just like the tides have changed in terms of social media. Roberto's he Roberto's saying he's 38, I'm 30, Zach's 27. It's like it feels like a generational shift happened in the last 10 years, like social 1.0, and then now we're in this completely new wave, new platforms, new tools, et cetera. Maybe like just to, just to let it kick it off. Zach, do you want to just talk about like why you're so excited to kind of be ripping during this period and like really going all in right now. And then we can just like let it fly from there. Yeah. So my kind of theory is like we went through the last 10 years, right? Where social media, there was ups and downs, but it kind of went towards this um, type of content, which was sort of predictable, pretty professional, very edited, very formatted for these platforms. And now I think the people who are really going to win are going to do two things. They're going to kind of go in the opposite directions where you're going to have people who um, can go extremely raw and authentic, right? Like the Sam Selleck's of the world. And then you're going to have people who can scale their content in ways they never could before with AI, right? And I think the people who really win over the next decade are going to do both. And, and they're going to do more with a smaller team than they've ever done while still being this ultra relatable personality that I feel like in the last five-ish years, we kind of lost that on social media. Like, like who were the great personalities of the last five years? Like, who were the Casey Neistats? I, I don't know. I feel like we kind of lost them, right? We lost them because these short-form platforms rewarded the opposite. They rewarded quick dopamine, 30 seconds. And so that's where I'm at. That's why I'm so excited. It's like, I think you'll be able to do way more with a smaller team than ever. And like, I'm sort of doing this right now, but I think what's going to happen will be even crazier because you just have to imagine with the AI stuff, right? I don't even talk about AI that much, right? But it's like, you have to imagine these algorithms are about to just get absolutely slaughtered with content. And the only way to really make an impact will be to have a true connection with your fans. But at the same time, you'll have to be able to produce and compete with, you know, the best in the world by putting out a lot of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I just said a lot of stuff, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> Do you think there'll be do you think there'll be like a demand from users of these platforms where for like the Facebooks and the YouTubes to literally denote what's AI created versus not and there will be like separate feeds because I like one path is like you said it, imagine the content volume just a thousand X and like all the thumbnails are amazing because you train an AI model on whatever the best psychological hack like there's so much content that just by sheer volume any individual piece is just going to get buried in the in the hose that's like one option the other option i see is that 
creators band together or like users on the platform band together and they basically like demand a split feed or of some kind or like some badge or something where you can literally filter out AI generated content in some way. Maybe there's a threshold that determines like how much AI you use to make it. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts there because I agree like if you thought if you 1000x the volume no matter how much effort any of us put into individual videos it'll just be an onslaught and our stuff will not get surfaced i feel like yeah i mean i could see that happening like the split feeds or some type of badge i feel like that might already be happening on some platforms um like twitter does that kind of with community notes like something will get flagged like this isn't real but i think um what's what's more interesting to me is like the one to two year gap I'm not really thinking about that. It's like, to me, it's like, what's, there's no point in thinking about that. It's like, yeah. what can I do now? That's really all I'm thinking about. So it's like, I think we're in this one to two year gap now. I think I'll call it like the uncertainty gap where you don't know what's AI and what's not. And that is an unbelievable opportunity for creators. I think I'm already doing it kind of well with like these images I'm doing, which have been performing really cool. They, they add a lot of element to like the world I'm trying to build. And people don't know if they're real or not. They don't know if they're AI or not. I don't think they look like AI. I think they're like, they sort of do if you're into like tech like we are. But to the average person, they just look sick. And, you know, I ripped the, like, I launched this run cult, right? Which we can talk about. I made this sick AI images for it. I did it in 10 minutes before I launched it. Like that would have never been possible before. And that helped create the, you know, ethos of it and create the vibe. So it's like, that excites me. Like, I want to go hard as hell in this one to two year gap, probably on the shorter end of that time where people just like don't know what's real and you can win massively. Yeah. Roberto, where do you want to go on that? I feel like there's so many threads we could pull on this, like with the run call or like the vision. What, what's most interesting to you right now? It's sort of unrelated, but something that I've kind of wanted to ask uh, Zach and honestly, like the you know pressure, I've always said like struggle makes a man, the pressure makes a man. But do you feel you've added a lot of pressure to yourself over the, like the next 10 years? Cause you are the obsession guy now. Uh, everybody expects this like fantastical, almost, almost surreal journey from you in a way. Right. Because then you've talked about it a lot. Like, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to show the world what's possible at one ninety six three in the ultra marathon game. I'm going to do this, that, that do you, are you deliberately adding this sort of like pressure? Do you ever think about this? It's like, I have to exceed expectations over the next 10 years now, just because sort of the, you know, like the, the larger than life sort of presentation that you've been given. I've been, I've been curious about this because I think that for great men and great people, great women, like that pressure is actually an additive. It's a benefit. So I, I was just wondering if you've, if you've thought about this in that frame or no, if you're just like all systems go, you haven't, you know, sat down and actually thought about that. Like you're asking if it bothers me or if it worries me, like how yeah, big if, the if like if, the press, if, if it weighs on you or if you've, or no, if you I mean, if anything, it, it, I don't think about it like that. If anything, it just like gets me up in the morning. Like I, I exactly, made this tweet the other day. That. It's like, I made this tweet that when you're obsessed, one hour of sleep counts for two. Like that's the craziest <laughs> shit about the running I've been doing. I'm doing it. I've been doing it, especially those first two weeks when I was starting the YouTube, I was doing it on like five hours of sleep and ripping. And it's like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't weigh on me. It excites me. Um, I don't feel nervous about it. I feel like I will genuinely do it as long as I don't die. Um, I love that. But it's like, but it's, uh, I wasn't always this confident. Like you can watch my older podcasts and I didn't sound as confident. It's just because I started doing the right things, right? But it just became ultra clear to me that over the last year, especially last year that, you know, I wasn't living the obsessed life. I wasn't the true example of obsession that I I absolutely need to be if I'm going to make the movement real. It, like I, I've tweeted about this path of obsession, right? It's like the seven steps that like Arnold, Disney, um, all these guys have kind of gone on from like the moment they find their obsession to reaching the pinnacle 
the pinnacle i use that word a lot that's like that's like the peak that is like the ultimate peak of their craft and field right and and often they'll have multiple pinnacles like arnold had pinnacles i think in bodybuilding and and movies and and politics anyway i have to go on the path myself for obsession to become a real thing but at the same time obsession has to be way bigger than me so it's like this interesting paradox that i think all movements have where the founder the creator has to go on the journey but at the same time the journey has to become so much bigger than him and way more people have to go on it and people have to forget that the founder even started it so it's like but yeah that's why i have these big goals like i um it's so essential to what i'm trying to do it's everything like part of me doing the daily youtube videos isn't well we can talk about that more like part of it isn't even about the videos it's just about me doing it right it's like that is obsession yeah that's, that's how i think of it pressure makes diamonds i feel like that which is which is good but I, so there's something you've been talking about that i feel like maps this perfectly a mistake that i've been making this the whole time i've been doing this you talk about this this arc from like the artist to the athlete to the entrepreneur like the stages right and what you just said there i think is like a key piece that i missed and that i think a lot of people miss is it, it will come off phony and inauthentic unless you live, like you become the person that you're trying to build the brand around. Like you have to actually live that life. So like George Heaton is someone that I'm just like obsessively studying right now. And like that dude is a goddamn savage. Like if you actually watch his, like the whole brand, he's trying to be like, like 247, 247. Like they're trying to say like go 247, like be relentless. That's their whole brand. But if he wasn't living that and, and I think, filming the content of him doing that super helpful to like project that image. But if he wasn't actually living that, the, the authenticity goes away. And then all of a sudden that cult fandom goes away. Same thing with Nick bear, right? Like Nick bears trying to be this like beast supplements. He wants to be the hybrid athlete, whatever. Like he has all these sayings, but if he wasn't actually waking up at 5am running 10 miles, like lifting in the gym, showing that it, it, it comes off as phony. And so like somewhere that I've, I think I've failed so far, which I'm trying to like shift right away is I have this vision to build all these interesting things, but me myself, I'm not like behaving in a way that would be required to like project that vision forward for the brand two or five years from now, whatever it is. And and I think you're doing that really well. Like you were tweeting it and writing it, but now you're living it, which is why the YouTube is so dope. Talk about like the, the athlete art or the artist athlete entrepreneur kind of phase and like anything I just said, if that resonates with you. Yeah, I mean, what you what you said resonated a lot, and that's that's what I want to do. That's the game I want to play. I want to build a founder-led company, holding company, right? And that is a very hard game, and it's probably wrong for most people. But Nick Bear, George Heaton, they're you know they're doing it better than anybody. Christian Guzman, right? He was like my big role model for a while. Jocko Willink, um, all these guys. Like honestly, what I've done for the last like f starting like five six years ago, I would obsessively study like every bullet point of their world that they were building like christian guzman had his coaching and then he had this gym his first gym and then he had a second gym and then he had youtube and then he had coaching and then he had um competitions right like i just obsess over these guys who build these multi-layered things to their world that usually starts with just this one person and this one pillar piece of this one pillar style of content right almost always it's youtube but so that's the game i want to play and it's it's super exciting to me that like me designing, you know, a post for social media or me going on a run, it's all the same thing. It's all part of the same mission, right? It's like every word in a post and every step on a run, they're both for the same thing. And that is just like, to me, the sickest game ever. Yeah. When it's just like your life is one thing. And I posted this the other day, it's just like you're living in an art project. You're just living in an art project, making art all day and you never turn off. And if you can align everything perfectly, which I'm not there yet, 
I'm, I'm like trying to get there. I think guys like George Heaton are pretty much there. Um, same with Nick Bear, but like where it just feels like art all day, and that's when you rip. And so um, I kind of ignored your question. You asked me about the artist athlete entrepreneur. Well, either, either way, of it did either you way, I, I was just using that as like a transition of like an interesting frame you shared. But I, but I think that like the artist athlete entrepreneur is a good way to frame the progression of like you said the whole your whole the like I'm obsessed with the concept of world building. You're talking about world building a lot. It's this idea of like. Everything is a canvas, the buildings, the roads, the content, the brands, the experiences, every single thing you touch is part of that canvas. And the, the, the thing, some people get trapped, they build a world they don't actually want to live in. But I think like George Heaton and Nick Bear, they, they've done a good job of building the world across multiple touch points, but they actually want to live that life. So I think it's, it's compelling what you're doing because it seems like you actually really love it. I do. And you know, those guys are both artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, my friends, both the guys in the office. Uh, Hunter uh, Weiss who I, and Dylan Jarden, who I share the office with. Hunter Weiss is a freaking speed demon, you know, at the track last night, ripping. He got me into running. Dylan, a lot of people don't know, plays fucking hockey every single night, like intense, legit hockey. They're athletes. And same with like most people I know. And maybe they were athletes more in the past or more in the future. But but basically everyone I admire has that through line. There's something about the intensity and like flow that comes from sports, I think, that is really important for creativity. Um and that framework is so good in terms of world building, right? Because I mean, we could go into this forever, but it's like your world build, your world only gets built on like frameworks, I think. And like you naming things, right? Otherwise there's nothing for people to connect to. Otherwise you're just saying stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like most people just say stuff and there's no world there. But when you like give names to things and you frameworks and you label, it, they're literally like landmarks on like a map that is your world. And that to me is such an addicting game because like you're trying all these things every day and then you come up with something like artist, athlete, entrepreneur, and it's so simple. It's so direct. Oh my God, this is everyone I admire. This is everything I want to be. I'm going to go be that. And, and that framework actually has resonated with potentially more people than obsession because it's a, it's less divisive. It's more straightforward. It's like, Oh, I just need to go do this. I'm lacking the athlete or I'm lacking the artist. That might even be bigger. I don't think it will based on just like I'm all in an obsession, but like that, potentially will be just as big or bigger than obsession yeah. i think the naming the naming thing is so dope because the way i think of it is like and roberto and i talk about this all the time like we'll, we'll like circle around a topic and then one of us will just come up with like a two-word name for it and it's like oh sick like the way the way i think of naming is like if you were trying to climb a building but the entire surface of the building was super flat and smooth and there was nothing to grab onto you couldn't climb it names are like hooks on the building or like if you're if you're rock climbing names are like the hook you can put your hand on and pull yourself up into the world or like down into the world and something that this is like probably the number one question i wanted to ask you is roberto and i have talked about this in the last two episodes of like you found your thing which is obsession you named it well it has a dope ethos. You can build a whole world around it. It's broad enough where you can go big. It's narrow enough where it's like relatable. It's it's right. It's the perfect fit. And certain people have, have found like their thing that they can obsess about and can become their obsession. One of the things that we've talked about is like, how do you go about finding your thing? Because I think once you find it, it becomes a really pure filter to decide everything else you do, right? Like you can, you can ask yourself, run cult is that going to propel me towards obsession or not if not kill if yes go and you can that's, that makes it really easy to prioritize without your like housing or your umbrella or whatever like whatever we call it your cult your world it becomes very tough to know like where to go you're pretty much just wandering in a circle trying to figure out what your thing is so 
I don't like we 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 talked about this in the last couple episodes. We don't think there's a shortcut for finding that. Like you really just have to wander. But I, I heard you talk about this on Calm's podcast. Just go off a little bit about this because this is the one thing I think most people were going to ask you, right? Is like how they find their obsession. Yeah. Well, okay. You're asking how do they find well, their obsession? Their, their obsession find, thing. Like, the I mean, yeah, thing. like they're upset. Whatever you, yours is obsession, but like their yeah. thing. Yeah. Because this is one of those things that I'm committed to, and I think is like the core reason I'll succeed over the next 10 years and no one does it like i could name like a few people that do it like uh i talked to greg eisenberg the other day on his podcast he's pretty good at naming stuff he names a lot of his movements like multipreneur that's a cool name um the lindy man right he owns only the word lindy on twitter that's kind of dope but most people like don't do this and i think it's crazy yeah like you said the hard answer that is the only way is to find it is through extreme output and years of output and finding this thing that other people love that you love talking about and that's unique enough that no one owns it and that it's common enough in culture that it's still recognized, right? Like to not to shit on Greg, but like multipreneur is not a part of culture. It's like, that's never going to come up in culture. So it's like that, not, not saying it's not a bad thing to own and create. It's just harder to create, create a word from scratch. Um, so it's like, it's very hard. And I only found mine through literally years of posting quotes in my own writing. And it just became obvious. Right. And I've told the story about how I started the movement last year with, I had already kind of been talking about it for like two years. I had it in my bio, follow obsession, but I was just on a run. And at the end of the run, I had 1% battery and a thought hit me. Hey, let's see how many people are actually obsessed. Put a black flag in your bio if you're one of the obsessed. Boom, fired the tweet with no battery, tweeted it. My phone died, went to grab coffee, went back to the apartment and like, boom, hundreds of comments. Or um, I mean, there were like a thousand plus comments on Instagram, but like a hundred or something on Twitter. And it's like, boom, obvious people wanted this. It was real. Um, I felt similar with the run cult and like got hundreds of applications right away. It's like, Oh, this is sick. People want this. So the other answer that's a little more tactical is like it, it, how it really works is like a through line, right? Like what is the through line of your message and your work? And that's like the only tactical exercise I think you could do. It's like Steve jobs has this unbelievable quote. Um, I'm going to misquote it, but it's basically like when he was talking about the design of Apple products, he's like, when you get dropped in Paris, you instantly know you're in Paris because all the buildings have this through line of this design and style. But if you if you get dropped somewhere in New York, it could be a lot harder because all the all the cities are so all the boroughs are so different. Um, that's kind of how I think of it. It's like pay attention to the through line of your content. That's the only kind of way to you, you can't hack it, right? You can't. That's why like the that's why you have to make stuff that's actually authentic to you and like live the life you actually want to live because the fragments that fall off where like one of those fragments becomes the thing you're obsessed with the fragments that fall off what you do are going to be related to what you're doing so if you're like trying to game it where you're, you say like okay the thing i like to do is draw but like the most profitable niche is fintech so i'm just gonna like make content about fintech well the fragments that are going to fall off your content are going to be fintech related and so even if like the most brilliant obsession like world building concept comes off it's going to be fintech then you're going to be stuck building a world in something you don't actually care about that's why like it's frustrating to hear when you're starting out where you're like i have no skills and i have no direction what do i do well the only thing to do is to make stuff at like a your best skill level at the time just make stuff you actually are interested in and eventually hopefully over time a fragment will fall out that you can stick to that that's what I've found. Like, and I don't know what really what mine is. I'm I'm hoping mine is something around like world building because I kind of that's what I've been talking about a lot. But Roberto has been doing this way longer than me, and he's like he still doesn't have his. And it's like it causes anxiety because you you know how good it can be if you have it and you're building on it, but you don't have to have like you just can't force it. I feel like. What do, what do you think about that, Roberto? 
I mean, it's, it's tricky because I've never, like, I'm actually, I've been at the world of, I guess, like creating entrepreneurship a lot longer, but I'm very new to this entire, like my, my last decade was about how do I maximize MRR? How do we, how do we improve the onboarding uh, for this app? Like how to right? it was, it was completely different. So now that I'm thrust into this world of creating, one thing that has come to mind is actually like reinvention. It's like, what do I, why don't I just keep doing like, you know, SaaS, boring software apps, et cetera. It's like, no, I want to be a creator. I want to tap into the artistry side of me that I've never really tapped into. And so like, that's new to me. And so this word reinvention has been sort of circling my head, but really quickly, I want to ask Zach sort of a macro question. And it's also to pay homage to who I think is the greatest, um, athlete, entrepreneur, artist of all time, and maybe the most obsessed savage savant that has ever existed. I think Kobe Bryant, who died four years ago, exactly on this date, January 26. Um, And I I always go back to Kobe. So he had like very clear motivation. It was like kind of twofold in all of his interviews. One was he wanted to be better than anybody else. And he didn't shy away from that. They said, why are you so obsessed? He's like, because I want to be the best, bar none. And then secondly, he also realized he sort of, he sort of had like this duty to inspire others because he knew that a lot of other people would see themselves in his story. And so it is a general question that I'm sure you've been asked a lot, but where does this fuel come from? Right. And like, I I feel like all the greats who are obsessed all have like different fuels that drive them. What do you think it is for you? Is is it just like the pursuit of self-excellence? Is it something different? Yeah, it's hard. I kind of have been thinking about this a lot lately because people have been asking me that because the last like month or so I've been pretty vocal on like my ambition like, where does this come from? The the two things that stand out to me on my childhood, because that's that's always where it starts, right? Um, it's, uh, I was super insecure as a kid. Like, I was growing up, actually, really, like, like middle school years, super outspoken, super confident, super, like, social. But then, like, high school, uh, with so- I played soccer all growing up, high school sports. I just, like, part of me just became super insecure and quiet, right? I took sports always really personally, right? So even as a kid, if I had a bad game, I would just shut up and like not talk to anybody. So I would take that from like outside sports to high school and like didn't have any friends. I was like captain of my soccer team. Like I did that stuff. But like outside of that, I had like no friends in high school. I never went to like a party, literally. So there's that piece, like feeling like a loser. And then there's the college soccer piece. So like I said, I played soccer all growing up, went to this D1 school to play. And I did three seasons of D1 soccer and only played in like one game. I was always hurt or always just not good enough, right? So... Like I said, like I took things really personally. So imagine three years of that, right? Like going into celebrating with the team wins, everyone's smiling and pretending, uh, like people on the bench, like having fun. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? Like <laughs> the people on the bench, I'm like, I'm like, how are you celebrating? Like you didn't do anything. Like that is how I, I didn't, I didn't say that because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been friends with them, but like. I was like, what is, like, this is crazy. Like, I didn't do anything, and I'm celebrating in a dog pile. I fucking hated it. And so I think those three years just, like, built this, like, pent-up desire to, like, like, I get goosebumps talking about it, like, pent-up desire for extreme greatness that I never had. And and I don't know. I've always had uh, some piece of that. I've always had some desire to be, like, Arnold-level impact on the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he's probably the closest to, like, the model I'm following for what I want to do. Um maybe not the closest, but one. And uh, yeah, like those are the two that come to mind, just like insecurity and failure for years uh, just made me super, super hungry. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I also got very comfortable. I've talked about this a little bit. Like I just became a very extreme person where like 
in my college years, like I didn't really party that much after soccer. All I did was I had this photo booth company. So I was working at weddings and then for like one whole semester, which is like six months, all I did was like EMT stuff. So like I went to ambulance calls. So I just got very used to like this extreme life where like nothing was normal. And that just made me like not want normal things, you know? There's, I, lo- I love my that best story. I, I, think, yeah. um, I think one of the greatest like octane, ultra premium, 99 grade fuel is when you're doubted. And I feel like that's probably, you, you're probably a little bit, you probably have that a little bit in you, right? So you're, you were soccer, you wanted to prove yourself, but you were injured, you had this desire for greatness. And so I feel like that doubt that people may have cast on you from your earlier years is probably the reason for your, like your greatness and your ascension now. I don't want to speak it, for you, yeah. but I I, th- I think that's the greatest fuel in the world. Yeah, part of it. Like in my brain, I think during that time, I was like, all right, I'm not going to succeed in college soccer. I need to go do something so much bigger, right? That's dope. So there's something about like not being given, like when you're not given stuff, the the I always like think to myself like like oh, I've got a chip on my shoulder, it's never going away. I like I just think that over and over and over, and it's like, dude, the only thing you can't buy in this world is the chip on your shoulder. Like that that is so valuable to have you have it and like it just it's an unlimited fuel source you'll just never run out of fuel with it but the but the question is then how do you direct that fuel and so like that's why i think all of us have probably had periods where i mean I, i'm still fucking in it where like i'm just like wandering around right like i'm i have the all this horsepower and like i don't know where to gallop you know like i like i'm i'm ready to run and i don't know the direction so because that's one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is like you posted that tweet about the black flag, let's say it was like eight months ago or whatever, almost a year ago now. And like, I would say in the last two months, you've really heated up in terms of like, people are starting to like know you as the obsession guy. They're talking about you on your behalf as obsession. It's like really compounding. But that first like eight month period from when you decided obsession was the thing till like it started heating up. What did you, like, what are the things you tried or like in your head, how did you even approach that phase? Because I think a lot of people are, going to be listening to this thinking okay let's say i come up with my thing like what do i do next just just talk about that a little bit because i find it really interesting to hear how people put the puzzle together yeah i think there's something someone said it to me the other day um this awesome guy aj and he said like there's something to like rushing to make something real like to give birth to something and then taking your time building it right like with the run cult is the most recent time i did that i literally decided that morning to launch it like there was no plan and then ripped it and spent the whole like next four days like figuring it out how to make it good and it was good and now it's like it's real there's no there's not that much stress running it it's like um now i can take my time to build it that's kind of what i think i did with the obsession stuff i i messed up in some ways i had a lot of momentum in the beginning there was a ton of momentum on social media it felt like around like march to like uh, may at least on twitter it felt like every second i was like people were really excited about it and I was making stuff. One big thing I have with the the obsession thing since the beginning, I'm just like, if you want to build a community, just make one thing for them every day. And that could be a wallpaper. That could be a cool, really special quote. That could be a great post. But like do build, do one thing for your community once a day and you'll build something. I think that's true. Um, yeah, I didn't, I could have handled the momentum better and launched things earlier. I didn't, I got distracted last year, truthfully. Like I, I lost some of that momentum, which, in the short term felt bad in the long term won't matter like this is a you know many decade game i'm gonna play and like you said it's taking off now more than ever so it's okay so that's one benefit that's one thing i'd say is like don't worry too much i don't think that that was a mistake but at the same time i don't think it was a huge mistake like i don't think it matters that much and maybe things are going according to plan right it's like 
don't stress too much about the short-term momentum when you're going to play a multi-decade game. Like I was trying to rush like this challenge, right? An obsession challenge. And it just wasn't right. And I knew it and I didn't launch it. And I'm glad I didn't because like now I waited and I found the idea of like the obsession year, which is, I think, going to be a huge thing. I'm, and even this year, I was going to launch that for January 1st. as like a big thing, like sign up, do your thing. But I'm like, no, I have to go do it myself first. Let me have my obsession year. Then next year, let's make it a big thing. Let's do journals. Let's do a challenge. Let's do all this stuff, right? So it's like a balance of, I think, giving your community something every day while also being patient with the big picture things because you're playing in decades, right? Um, Talk about the distractions. But, like, what, what did you get distracted? Like, what what seemed tempting to you at the time, and why did it seem tempting? And like, and like, how, you know, why was it a distraction? Yeah, the story of last year. I mean, why I got distracted was I I started to I became like a full time creator last year, right? Making good money, decent money from my content, and I took on brand deals for content that wasn't super aligned with like what I wanted to make. And I got into like a six month gap where I had this compounding thing and boom, got stuck because now I'm making branded content and not my content. That's, I think, a common story with creators. And I just, it happened to me and I, I'm still kind of getting out of it. But yeah, so that's like something you have to watch out for. You, what, like, what's the Warren Buffett quote? Like, the number one thing about compounding is don't stop compounding. <laughs> it's like, I kind of did. It's like, I'm going to compound now in a new way. But it's like, um, yeah, that's what happened to me. Talk, talk about the, I, I want to, the monetization part is what I think a lot of people are going to ask, right? Because I get at, like, I, I was at home for the last four days and like every single person, the first question out of their mind, like after I explained what I was doing, they're like, well, not to be too personal, but like, does this make money? Like they always say that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to explain like the ecosystem and like how there's different things you can do. So th this is what, like I, the, the through line that I was telling them was like, yo, my only goal is to stay default alive. Like all I want to do is break even so that I can keep it, stay in the game long enough before I hit a home run somehow. And and I explain like different ways you can do that, but that's like how I've shifted my thinking around this. But I'm curious how you think about adding things up so that you can stay in the game or fund the little side ex experiments so that eventually something will hit. Like just talk about your, your thinking for this because people care about this a lot. Yeah, I mean, the thing is my advice, I don't know if it's good advice. It's like I'm willing to like have no money and like burn every and spend every dollar I have to make my dream real, right? So like, that's what I did. That doesn't mean it's good advice. It's like, this is this quote by this guy. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I did like crack cocaine and heroin, but that's just what worked for me. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's like you're taking advice from like a madman. It's like, it worked for him. It doesn't, that's why like I, I'm hesitant to do like courses ever. It's like, dude, my path was so hard. Like it's, you really want to do this? This is how you do it. Um, but to answer your question, uh, what'd you ask well, me? The, the, the thing is uh, around the monetization, but that point you just yeah, made yeah, is yeah. good too of like, giving advice I think is kind of is not helpful but it is helpful to give a window into what you did because like then people can just watch and hear what you say and choose to take it or not you know say your question again though just like how do you think about monetization the whole the whole idea of okay, like yeah. making money yeah, yeah. and how how do you approach it and what are the ways you think you can do it yeah I mean how I'm doing it right now is basically uh brand deals sponsors and uh, an agency I have uh which I started like a few months ago and uh those are good together um and to be fair, like I'm, I'm the type of creator. If you, if you guys follow me, you know, like I, there's, I haven't sold anything really. I haven't sold much. And that, there's a positive to that. And then I gain a lot of affinity with my audience. The downside though is one, I'm not monetizing, so I'm not able to put money back into the content, right? Enough money. So it's like that is a problem that I'm solving now. And uh, that's the dream, right? The dream is that the monetiz the content, like the art you're making, funnels right into the monetization, and that funnels right back into the content. 
and it's just this beautiful flywheel that just rips and gets faster and bigger and bigger. And the problem is that things I did is you, you take these money opportunities that are off this wheel and that slows down the wheel. It gets, makes it like, it like fucks up the, it fucks up everything. So it's like, that's what I'd say. It's like, you want to do things that don't distract you from the compounding and the mission you're on and find ways for them to be aligned. It's hard though. It's really hard. I think I it's mean, super hard. I think there's a valuable lesson here though, because one of the things you're, you're right. This is like one of the, the big um, sort of pain points that all creators face. But the valuable lesson here is that most creators, and I see this all the time. Somebody goes to have like one viral video, they get like 80,000 followers from it. And they instantly think, how do I cash in? How do I cash in? Right. Okay. I need to cash in these views. Views aren't money. How do, and what happens is there's this maximum like trust loss amongst their audience. And this is the most underrated thing that I see in co uh, content. I think a lot of creators, entrepreneurs, artists, whatever you want to call it, pe people that make things for the internet, uh, they, they fail to realize is, is the trust loss that can happen between audience and social media person can happen so fast and with such intensity and people are not realizing this. And so I think the great lesson here that you're sort of exemplified in the right way, all the ways that you're making money is minimum trust loss with your audience. Like I, all the money that you're making, I don't even notice. I don't, I don't see it because it's not in my face. It's not salesy. It's not aggressive. And I think that's the way to do it. And, and, and like, this game is going to reward the long-term players. The people who are playing in years and decades, not days and months, are going to get rewarded. And people fail to see that. They're always looking, how do I cash in my audience? How do I cash in my audience? How do I sell them shit? Versus how do I continue compounding? And like uh, Callaway said, in three years, five years, seven years, I will be hitting a home run if I continue playing this game. That's a lot more lucrative and more impactful than the short-term W's. Uh, and so I think, I, dude, like I said, everything that you're doing, I think you're doing it right. That's why we both think you're a rising superstar. Um, and so I, I would say that's what I extract from that lesson is like, don't be so worried about making that money as quick as possible because the long-term impact is, is, is much more fulfilling. Hard. It's so hard when you're in like the middle ground. I'm kind 100%. of, I think just now getting to middle ground where I'm talking to, you know, legit, like I just did this thing with Equinox, like talking to big companies, big brands and like legit partnerships, like long-term partnerships. But when you're in this like middle ground of these one-time deals, it's so hard and you, it's hard to even get in there. Right. And even then yep. you're in there, it's yep. hard. De definitely. And it's like, definitely. it's sad, it's sad seeing creators where like they're launching this shit and it's just like, I don't know. It's hard. Cause I respect like you need to make money and you're launching stuff. I'll always respect that. But at the same time, like you follow these guys on Twitter, right? This like, uh, this group of guys, I'm not going to drop names. It's just, they, they promote these things constantly that you should be starting as a creator. And it's just dumb. Like the moment you're calling yourself a creator and thinking about those business models, you're maximally capping your potential because you're thinking now in like months, things you can launch in a weekend. No offense to the podcast name, but like what you should do is launch something in a weekend that you'll do for decades, yeah. right? Or it doesn't even have to be that. It could just be like launch something in a weekend that you is on the path towards decades versus like, I think, and that's the, that was what I got stuck in. I was following all these guys on YouTube and Twitter and like, oh my gosh, launch a paid community, right? Like I almost did that, right? You remember that, uh, Kane, yeah. right? Like almost launched a paid community, almost did all this stuff. And I'm so glad I didn't because it like, I'm going to go do something so much bigger. I'm going to go to the pinnacle and I wouldn't have gone Bingo. there if I did this smaller stuff. If you saw um, the, if you yeah, saw the text know. between Roberto and I about like all the things we could do, should do, like would be easy things to do. And like, we haven't done them mostly because neither of us can really like bring ourselves to do it. Like we, like in our gut, we know it's the wrong move, but like, our brains are trained a little to think like, how can I extract some value from this so that I can stay default alive? But the reality is like, unless you're broke and you, and your burn is 5k a month and you have zero coming in, there's a chance like you can find a way to scrape together to stay alive without eroding trust. And like that, 
that is that is now like I said, that's now my mentality is just like, what is the burn? Can I cover the burn? Yes, no. Even if I can't cover the burn, like put savings to the burn, like just stay alive without eroding trust. Keep the trust 10 out of 10 for as long as possible. The problem though, is you do starve the like, for example, like you're doing those run diaries. You have a videographer. It would be sick if you could pay that guy 50 grand a year where every day, no matter when you text him, he comes and, and the, the, it, it would just up level the content 10 X. Right. But you're like, all right, well, 50k 50k a year like I got to pay that guy 5k a month in salary and I now need 5k to offset that so like there's ways to build it where it's beneath the surface you don't erode trust like what you're doing with the agency is really smart because nobody will see that but like as soon as you do a brand deal unless that brand deal is perfectly overlapping like an equinox we, we I call it trust coins like every time you put something out that isn't monetized you're you're adding a trust coin to the bank of someone that liked it every time you put something out that is monetized that isn't overlapping you're subtracting a trust coin and if you don't like the goal is to build that bank up so big that at some point like gary v like jab 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 and then at some point you can ask them to buy a 50 dollar thing and they will because there's so much trust built up but if you just keep like going up one down one up one down one there it's going to exhaust them they're just going to churn and you're just not going to have anything at the end of the road so that was like a- I, I see it all the time, man. There, there are countless, countless people out there with a million followers on Instagram who can barely scrape together 10, 15 K views. And it's because they've exhausted all of their trust coins. And so now when by default, when they show up on your feed, you're like, this guy's just trying to sell me. So I, I don't, you know, you just inherently uh, instinctively. Dude, it's don't like trust most, it's like most like self-development people on Instagram, right? I think that's why people like my stuff. It's like most self-development. If you put me in that category, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like they're all like, there's one guy and it's like he has like this book and it's like he's a speaker but every one of his posts is like sign up for my program to learn how to become a coach it's like what's the content here what's the benefit of following you it's, it's all like, just one big circle jerk. The, on, the only person who's done it well is hormozy only because I and mean, even his stuff comes off a little cheesy to me to be honest but his he, he never sells anything beyond he's gonna buy private equity into a business that's like the way he monetizes which is smart because he never has to ask or like erode trust with the audience but still even just being in that category of like self-help it just seems a little corny like sometimes when i see his stuff i just scroll past it because i'm like i don't want to even though i know he's not selling to me it just it fits i just want to be like i want to be immersed in art like you said like i everybody everybody interprets art differently but like i just want my feed or whatever i consume to just be like damn that person's like living their life in art like adrian purr is a good example i don't know if you know this guy zach but which well, which, by the way, when I think of Zach, I don't think of a self-help guru. I don't. Th- I actually think artists. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, straight up, that that's the word that comes to mind when I think of you, which is, I goal. think makes you that's the goal. exactly, which, which separates you and delineates you from this, you know, common class of like self-help life advice from a twenty-two-year-old who hasn't lived much. Li- like it's it's different because you're an artist, and your words, dude. Like I regurgitate them all the time without even uh, so like subconsciously. Like you had one thing. I think you said people feel the love that you put into your work. I'm always saying that in so many different ways. And I forget like where I first heard it, but it's now like ingrained in me is like, is like a mantra. And it was I actually like the energy. It was actually yeah. energy. It was energy, actually people energy, feel the energy you put into work, but I like love just as much. That's like, just yeah, a, but it's cool. So you made true, your own bro. version so of it. True. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, not, not to like pamper you with so many compliments, but both it's of good. us I like think it. really Thank you. highly of you. And I, and I think, um, I can't wait for the book to come out, man. I already see it black. Uh, matt black on black cover yeah, yeah. just obsession <laughs> yeah that's the funny thing it's like people it i mean i could do a book now it's just like 
I don't know. It's a weird topic. I, I'm not unsure how I feel about it because like books take a long time to do with traditional publishing. I don't know if you guys have looked into that. 100%. Takes like it'll take me if let's say I sign a deal next month, it won't come out till 2026, which is yeah. crazy. I mean, the, the way it's I like, see books is it's part of the world building. I don't think that it's it's going to be like peanuts in terms of your overall like revenue potential and stuff, but it it, it really helps to like jab jab hook. You know, that was like, that was I mean, my goal is for it to be like, my goal is for it to be the number one book in the world when I launch it. Right. So Let's it's go. like, that'd be pretty good revenue. I already um, said you're going to be number one New York Times bestseller. So we thanks, we bro. Yeah, I yeah, heard that. I mean, so like, yeah, that's why like I don't want to rush it now. Like people are telling me to write the book last year. And I'm like, I haven't gone down the path of obsession. Smart, like how am bro. I going to write the obsession book? It's like, let me get at least like mostly down the path. Right. People um, need to listen to like, people so, need to listen to what you're saying here because the whole everybody who talks to you, everybody who talks to anybody who's trying to do something, they're always asking like, "Oh, what's the vision? What's the five year vision? What are you gonna do next?" It's like, "Yo, just forget about all that. Just like do what you're doing now better, and like just li- live it through an expression. Like let your life be an art, and and just just run that as long as it takes, and you'll know. Like that's the thing is, and I'm victim. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because this is a mistake I keep making over and over and over. It's like I try to sit down and strategize out the answer. And it's just that isn't how you do it. The way you do it is just live and compound that living authentically over and over and over. And something will shake out, I feel like. So important, bro. Like you look through my Apple Notes. I have like, let's see how many Apple Notes I have. Let's see if I can pull it up. Uh, I'm in full screen. I have like tens of thousands of Apple Notes. I have like thousands of me mapping out how my business empire is going to look, my Disney map. And all of that is basically pointless. It doesn't do anything for you. It is a good thought exercise, I think. But like, in terms of actually changing your life, it never happens like that. You never sit down and plan how you're going to change the world. You just freaking rip it at the end of a run when you have 1% battery, you put out a tweet and you make something real. That Yeah, it's beautiful. That's why I think health is so important. Like uh, fitness and these things are so like so tightly tied with people that are doing this because I, I actually think the way you get to the purest state of like expression is usually after you're depleted or after you're distracted on something else, like a walk, a run, a lift, a shower, like that's where the real sauce comes from. But people who sit in their desk for 12 hours and don't do those things, they're trying to like outwork the process. Those kind of like flowy ideas don't ever come. And that's why like, it's just cyclical. It's like a, you know, that's why it's tough. But I'm, trying, I'm looking at the list right now, Roberto. You got anything else top of mind? No, I mean, I think so far on a macro level, this is a this is a masterclass because I bet Zach gets it all the time. You got 1.5 million followers on Instagram. How are you cashing in? You know, and he has such a a, a bigger vision and a bigger picture. And I can see why so many people get to- toppled from their big picture because always like the content that works right now on social media is here's how you can make $14,000 in the next 24 hours by building this paid court community, like whatever. It's like, it's very lucrative and I can see why people fall into that trap. So kudos to you, not um, that, well, that it's is also like, like to, in, to interrupt you yeah. quickly. Like I could be getting millions of views right now making more animations, right? Yeah. Basically all those videos would get hundreds of thousands of million views still like the ones I post. If you look at the recent ones, they still rip, but I'm not doing that. Think about that. Like uh, that is super important. Like I think I posted the, the other day, you have to be willing to reinvent yourself right all the time. And like, there's a reason I'm doing that that I don't think most people would do. Most people would go hard as hell on a thing that is like working, but there's a massively thin line there between like, like what's more powerful, right? Me getting a million views on one of those 30 second animated videos or me getting a thousand views on a YouTube video where I'm speaking my heart into the camera. It's like, 
that's a tough call. We we talk about this all the time. I think we both sort of intimately understand this balance. And to your point, I've seen other people who've sort of like, and by the way, once I saw yours or Danco's or somebody's visuals, that's when I got connected with Hunter Weiss. I was like, can I buy some of these? And I think I bought a package of six. I only used four or three. So I think like Hunter just got like three, like I'm not even, <laughs> I'm cool with it, whatever. Uh, and the reason why is because I was like, all right, these are working, but it's not doing anything for me. These are just a lot of views, but it's not bringing any, like I'm not. And so- to your point, I agree. I think you getting a thousand, two thousand views on one of those YouTube videos is more impactful than uh, a, a narrated, animated quote that gets like five hundred thousand views. I really, really, really believe the in only that. thin. Lo- the only the only caveat is that those videos, those animated ones, brought a sh- ton more people into my world. That correct. Then so go so watch, that then go watch the thousand videos. So I need that. You need to like so find there, that perfect balance. There needs balance. to be. Yeah, like bro, like my writing. My world completely changed because I made those videos, right? So it's like, there's definitely a balance. Yeah, because because I've seen guys who lean into it way too hard and a massive following, and as soon as they they get on camera and do like a video, the type of content that they want to make, complete flop. Like you know, like literally, uh, five, three, four hundred thousand views versus like. 221 likes and i'm like all right now so that that's where the balance comes into play and what i alluded to uh last podcast is you've done this brilliantly because i could not crack this i didn't even like dude i I had like massive pages back in the day and i wanted to like slowly evolve them into like a more personal page but i didn't just i didn't have the skills the artistry or whatever that you had and so i was never able to figure it out and i just sold it because i was like i don't know what to do with this right and so the way that you've done it People don't realize how hard this is, man. Like you can count on one hand how many people have been able to successfully do it. So like, again, kudos to you because the patience and the balance that's required to do it effectively is like, there's not too many people in the world that, that know how to crack that. It was also kind of a hard decision, right? Because I think I would have, it's kind of a counterintuitive. So like going from this page that was basically faceless, right? It was just, at first it was just quotes. And then it was mostly my, just my writing, right? There was a, t- a big decision I had to make, especially when I changed the username. I'm like, do I just step away and make this a brand or do I make this Zach? I think I could have made a lot more money by making it a brand and not me. In the short right? term. Because think about short it. Short like, term. In the short term, 100%. I could have had it because then boom. I had, Think about it. Like last year I was playing this exercise. I'm like, when I was going to change the, when I changed the username, which was only like in June, I did that. I was like, wow, if I changed the name to a brand and stepped away, I have a brand that has a million followers. That is crazy, right? Think about that. That brand value is huge, even though it's like kind of fake. But like, if you're a newcomer to the page, it's like, it's real. So it's like, that to me was super hard to turn off because like now I'm going to a name and now some people would think that's like a selfish decision, which in some ways it is, but in other ways it's, it's not. I just felt like for what I want to do, there has to be a person, there has to be a figure, there has to be someone talking. Um, and so, yeah, like that was a hard decision because I'll make way less money in the next short, in the short term from that sort of not necessarily but uh it's tough yeah. it's tough to, like over the it's last tough year, to world yeah. build without the first citizen right so like if if you're if you're trying to build around a brand yeah put that one in a tweet that'll get <laughs> that'll get 500 likes um but i was gonna say like my stuff is a perfect example of this like roberto has done a pretty good job of he can go viral at will but he's also infused a lot of like really cool personal like storytelling like the video he just put out i don't know how that did i didn't like look at the metrics but i thought it was sick i'm i'm like even further behind in that journey of like at this point, I've pretty much been like a one-trick pony. Like I can go viral in the style I go, but but what I—that's not what I want to become. And that, that's something that I think people should take off, uh, take away from this. Is like, if you were to 
there's that that image where like it starts with a point and then there's like a bunch of different ways you, like little squiggly paths you can go from that point and it just shows like okay once you go down this this tree you're kind of like on that path the only way to get on a different path is to retrace all the way back to the beginning start from scratch again and go down a different path and that takes a lot you have to eat a lot of humble pie to be like yo I'm, I'm getting a million views at will and I'm willing to go back to zero because I something in this doesn't feel right. That's exactly where I'm at. That's why like I tweeted, I'm starting from scratch on Monday because basically like to use myself as a case study, what I effectively am is a journalist at this point. Like if you, if you project 10, 10 years forward of me just doing what I'm doing, I could get 50 million views per video breaking down something at a pop culture level. But really all I am is a newscaster more or less, like just in, just in different clothes. If you want to be a newscaster, sick like that's the there's the playbook right there i don't want to be a newscaster though like i want to build a world around myself and so in order to do that yes there's value occasionally in having top of funnel stuff that goes millions of views but really what you need is to build like the long the kind of like long form or it could be short form but this is more like longitudinal stuff that you're doing roberto does it really well i need to now learn how to do that and yeah you got to eat a lot of shit to go back to the beginning but that's the only way that's where that reinvention comes in yeah, I mean, you don't want to be the kid covering himself in milk for every piece of content. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm talking exactly. about? Like these TikTokers <laughs> who are just dumping milk on himself. It's like, and then you're like, "Fuck, I'm getting yeah, brand deals." Like this guy. is what I'm doing: dumping milk, <laughs> dumping milk on yeah. myself every day. It's like, "Fuck, that's a cool way to." What do you do for work? Oh, yeah, I dump milk on myself. Like, so you don't want to become the milk guy. It's a good analogy. And like, I've this is I've done this like ten times over the last few years. You just completely reinvent yourself. That's what all the best people do. I think. Yeah. You have to be willing to. That's how you keep people interested too. It's like, I don't know. There's a thin line between like doing one thing. Uh, Founders podcast, right? He like, uh, David Sandra has this one line. Uh, I don't know if it's from him or it might be from James Dyson. It actually is from, I think, James Dyson. Do one thing relentlessly. And the other piece to that, which is not related, is and retain total control. Love that. I had that on my whiteboard for a while. But do one thing relentlessly. There's a thin line between that and reinventing yourself, right? But, but, in some ways, I would say David Senra, like Founders Podcast, has reinvented himself. Like at first, his podcast was like gated, right? It was closed. You have to pay to subscribe. And then it's open. And then he rips forward. That's a reinvention for sure, I think. Um, and that's how I view my stuff. That's what the best people have done. They've reinvented themselves over and over. Um, you have to be willing to, though. It's a, it's a good jump. Let me ask you a question. How do you, um, for, for people that are listening, like some, some I guess, actionable advice, or may, maybe not, maybe, you know, because your, your path is, is so uh, unconventional. You said you did not have confidence at one point. You were very insecure. Now you're very confident. You know exactly who you are, what your mission is, what you want to do for the, for the next 20 years. Was that just trying different things? I mean, how, how did that come about? How does one in your former shoes get to the point where you are now in terms of confidence? How did that? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Like, my content for the last few years, where most of those years I wasn't super confident, I was just writing. It was the obsessed self, like my obsessed version of me who I kind of am becoming now writing to the non-obsessed self and just posting it on Instagram. That's what it was a thousand percent. So it's like, it's like acting as who you I did it be. through running. Yeah, kind of. So like it, some people could say that's fake, but I think it's the most real thing ever. It's like, you know, hundred percent. So it's like, cause yeah, like we talk about that in the office. Like I tweet this stuff and Hunter would be like, dude, you're not doing this. And I'm like, I know, like I, I want to though. And uh, yeah, how to get it. I don't know. It's uh, It should kind of just feel obvious when you are confident, right? It's one of those things that's hard it. to answer. For me, it came through running, though. Like, running was a big piece that changed my life last year. Um, you know, going out, I, w I wasn't who I wanted to be. Started to go out every single morning and run and just completely changed my life. 
so that's like a huge piece. I just reinvented myself last year. Like I did, you know, literally shaved my head, signed up for a marathon and changed my life. And now like we're like five months later and I'm totally different. So it's like, that was that tweet. It was, if you want to, re- if you want to change your life, commit to something extreme and shave your head. Cause then you get the extreme reinvention of self image of how you look and you're training every day going after something. I think the best way to build confidence is do that. Commit to something extreme and do it every day. And that could be in art, that could be in athletics, that could be in business, right? Artist, athlete, entrepreneur. Commit to something extreme and show up every day and it's basically impossible not to be confident after that. But it's really hard to do. You have to get used to that. Um, I mean, people underestimate what they can accomplish and how much they can transform in six months, let alone a year, let alone a decade. Yeah, 100%. Even less than that, bro. Like I was totally different after two months of that period. Wow. Um, I think one thing too that's helpful is like, I mean, this is a little extreme, but you kind of want to brainwash yourself in the best way, right? So like George Heaton has a bit on this in a podcast I listened to yesterday where he was like, he said represent was founded in 2012 or 13 and they were kind of like muddling along until 2018 and no one knew what it was and it was kind of floundering. And he's like, there was a moment in 2018, 2019 where everything shifted, where like he, his brother and like the main leadership just sat in a room at a whiteboard and they were like, what do we want this brand to be? And he was like, the only way we can make it how it wants to be is he personally had to completely change his life. Like more, I'm adding the word brainwash, but like more or less brainwash himself. And he's like, tactically what I did, he's like, I went on social media, I unfollowed every single thing that wasn't going to propel me towards this relentless brand. And he's like, I didn't want to see a single thing. I didn't want to hear a single thing. I didn't want to talk to a single person that wasn't in the direction that I want to go. So he literally just completely skinned his life all the way down and rebuilt it from the ground up. And by doing that, that's basically what you did more or less. And by doing that, the compounding just happens in the direction you want. Like instead of going in a circle, you're just going in a line upwards towards whatever you want. So that's what I'm going to, I think I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm going to go through my social media and just completely strip it all the way down. Yeah. That's like the best. That's how you really know you're obsessed is when you just turn off the whole world. Right. And you can do it like tactically by like going in and following everybody, but also just like, I used to just be obsessed with content, right? Like that's how my newsletter started. I basically shared like the 10 best things I read that week. Um, but now it's like, I'm not consuming anything. I literally the last two months haven't consumed like a single piece of content, which is wild. It's like, that's all I used to do. And I I don't necessarily regret that. I think those years of obsessing over books and content and podcasts was like, it's part of how I think about things a hundred percent. But at the same time, it's like when you're truly obsessed, you turn off everybody. And like, that's what Heaton did. And you could do that. I think you could do that. Like you are like, uh, like tactfully, but I think, I think actually once you're just obsessed, it happens normally. Like I just stop watching people. So you're afraid to do that. I, I think something, well, something really valuable in that too, is like when, when you're consuming content constantly, almost no matter what subconsciously, even if you don't intend to, there's little nuggets and little, you know, style pieces and stuff that you're like kind of taking from other people. And then it becomes like sort of this amalgamation of what you see online that, that works and you think it works. And so you bring it into your content and then it, it, it like, it strays away from who you really are. And so I think also tactically, that's just a good piece of advice because so much more originality is going to be infused into your work. It's like listening to a podcast and all they're doing is talking about other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't drink water and breathe out at the same time. Right. So it's like content is the spigot in the ideas of the flow out. You can't flow out while you're flowing in. So like most people will listen to content because they're like, this is how I get inspired. This is where I get ideas from. But really what you're actually doing is just getting channeled to the middle. Like all the ideas you hear, you're just like an average of those over time. It can be hard though at the very beginning to completely go 
like silent on it because you don't even know what to do. You don't know what the frames are that work, et cetera. So like to your point, it's helpful to do it for a while. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because like you said, yeah, you don't, that shit affects your work. And really the best, most original work comes from something completely outside of what you're doing and like the, what you're paying attention to or what most people in that follow you are like, like, wait, like, uh, you can look up on platforms, like people who follow you, like who are the other people you follow? Like, I bet you, you guys are pretty similar. Like a lot of people who follow, uh, Roberto follow you and like vice versa. But it's like, you really, the best opportunities are to look at those people and do nothing like they're yeah. doing and go do something that someone in fashion is doing in a magazine. Like what is their format in this column? What is that called? Go and take that to Instagram, right? Like those yes. are the best ideas. You have to like walk in this random bodega, pick up the magazine, see this, and then go make a reel with that format. Yeah, it's like hundred percent. I love the cat Callaway had a great saying about that. I, I love that uh, little tidbit right there, Zach, hundred percent. That's what we try to do. We made that one reel that was like, around the horn kind of, but for Instagram, like Roberto and I, we did like a joint style where it was like him and me, and we were either both at the top with B-roll in the middle or like we were splitting. And I've never seen anyone do that where it's like a collaborative reel. Cause so that was an example of like, we, we how'd that do? That's it did good? pretty well. It's just like, we wanted to have the right topics to do it on. And then I think like we were about to action on it and then we got busy right then. So we didn't do any more, but hard to yeah, do, but it, it, it did it, like everybody commented like this is sick this is a really new format original idea and it's because we translocated i think that's what i was calling it translocated the something from traditional tv into a new medium so i think that's why though that's why having the base skill sets is so helpful like if you're a good designer you can go to the bodega see something in a magazine and like design something else because you can you can rely on the foundational skill set to like transport whatever you see into your own medium if you don't have the base skill sets, it's tough to like reimagine what you see, you know? Yeah. It's like, you need to have this sensitivity to what excites you. And that is really hard to have without making anything. It's hard to have that from scratch, but like I can go for a walk in the city and my eyes light up when I see certain fonts on certain store signs Same. and I'll take a picture. Right. But that is like impossible to teach. Like, how do you even teach that? You can't. So it's like, like the font I use for obsession is from Disneyland. Cause I'm obsessed with Walt Disney. Go look at Disneyland logo. It's the same font. People don't realize that. I didn't, it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize that at all. I, I think it's the same or it's super close. It's like, cause I just want to build my own Disneyland. And like, that's the feeling it kind of gives you when you think about it. It's like, wow, this is like a world, yeah. right? Um, there's like a magic to it. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's what it is. It's this internal meter to what excites you. And you, once you create stuff, you get really sensitive to that. Oh my God, this is sick. Oh my God, this is bad. And, and you never actually know for sure, but it's there. And that helps. That's you. why I think making mood boards is so helpful. Like, most people don't don't make a mood board unless they need it for something. But like the original mood board was when we were young and people would cut the cut that shit out of magazines and like glue them on a poster board. That's the original mood board. And like when people would have those in their room, those are the people that had taste because they could go through all these different sources and put this like visual piece together. So that that's something I'm trying to get better at is like I'll make mood boards when I need to. And like occasionally I'll save images, but it's all over the place. Like if I just had a shit ton of mood boards in one place, that would be really helpful to you just need one. I think you just need one. This is how I operate. I just have one massive mood board I've been building for like years. And if you look at it, it's so obvious, like everything I'm making, like literally it's like, oh, that's where this comes from. That's where this comes from. It's like, oh, my newsletter is called uh, Ten Bullets. I actually might change the name. It's inspired by Tom Sachs because he has a cool video he made called Ten Bullets. Might change the name because he kind of owns yeah. that <laughs> um, regardless. Like the style for my cart, like this stuff, I don't even know if I like sharing, but I don't care. It's like the style for like the cartoons I did is from this random cartoon called Over the Garden Wall, which most people haven't heard of. It only did one season, but I just thought it was sick. And I'm like, oh, let's take that style, make it, bring it into the world of obsession. Like, 
that's the shit I love. It's like, um, it's very hard to teach though to do how to yeah. do that. But that's when it's the best, man. Like when you, when you're when you're sharing, you don't you don't need to worry about gatekeeping because there's the the barrier to entry is really really high. It was the same. Like let's go back to Kobe. They'd ask him how he did it. It's like I will share the exact same playbook. I don't care. You will never be me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's there's exactly. certain like intangibles that come together to create like this this compound that cannot be replicated. I think and I think you have that. And um, like Callaway and I have talked about this before. We're trying to build that. And so now I'm I'm trying to make the content that only I can make. So like Callaway's trying to focus on making the content that only he can make. And I think that is magic when a, when a, when an artist is able to find that. Uh, I, I was gonna say creator, but since Zach hates the word creator, I'm trying to like figure out. Me and Callaway talk about this all the time too. Is like we need a new word it, to replace it. Well, because I still say no, it. I still tweet it. It's related. There's no like other word. Like we we we've been trying to find a word, man. It just got killed. It just got and killed. It's too broad. Media. It's saying you're creator like someone, is like saying you breathe. If someone has the word creator, yeah. If someone like has it in their bio, I like check out. Yeah, check out. Like I said, it puts. I tweeted this yesterday. Like <laughs> Shit, the moment you call yourself my bio, man. Damn. The moment you uh, <laughs> you're good, bro. You're, you'll slide. The moment you uh, <laughs> dude, I call people out on it too. Now I'm like, when they comment, like, dude, being a creator is great. I'm like, no, it's not. It's like, you're like the moment you call yourself a creator, it, you're making it about you and not what you create. That's the problem. When mm, the, the true like creators, that. it's yeah, the true creators. So, so what, they don't what talk. should we be using? You as an artist, as a writer, do you have anything that you can shouldn't kind of be using it? anything? You shouldn't Nothing. be using anything. Okay. No, it should be all about. It's not. It's. I mean, I don't know. You can use whatever you want. I just think like these. You shouldn't have labels on yourself. Just like make stuff, right? Like it should it. be all about what you, my bio is. Literally, the definition of what I'm trying to make on Twitter right now. It is. It's like obsession, a way of life for artists, athletes, entrepreneurs. Like that's it, and. uh that's the, another thing with bios. Like the shorter the bio, the better. The best people that I admire the most have like yeah. nothing in their bio, which is great because like you instantly know what they do already, right? That's like when you get to that level, you don't have to explain what you do. I've actually but, noticed that, bro. Like, I, like Casey Neistat's bio, I think is like it might even be blank. Yeah, I, I mean, need you, like, no introduction. Kinda, I think it is on Twitter. It's like family work. It's like that's it. It's like I love it. Um, but it's, you kind of do have to like get there. Like you have to get to that level. Part of that is like the mystique though too. It's like there's a thin line between like. You know, what's more interesting? The guy who like puts all the shit in his bio, like everything he does, or the guy who just has like one word and like 30,000 followers on Twitter. It's like, oh, why is this guy interesting? Well, what, what is there to figure out here? What is like the puzzle I have to put together? I, I kind of think about that with my stuff. Like what is the moment someone comes on my page? And like, how does that create this seed into like the world of obsession? Um, I think it's fun to play that game and like let someone kind of figure it out on their own. But I do want to mention to some people out there who are listening to this podcast as well. It's like, look, they just have a business and content creation for them is just a means to get people into their business. So it's like, if that is you, if you just have like a coaching business or you have a SaaS product or whatever it is you're selling and you just want to bring leads into your sales engine to like, that's perfectly okay too. I think like us three are aligned is like, we have like much bigger plans. Um, and so we're playing like this long-term game, but if, but it's also perfectly okay if you're out there it's like, and you're just trying to bring customers into your business. Hey, have that in your bio. Explain what you do, how you do it, where they go to get what they're, what they're seeking. It's so um, different. It's so different. Like for completely. me, it's like... And that's why the word me, creator sucks because it's yeah, yeah. so many nuances. Like for me, it was basically like five years ago when I started making content, I realized that I'm going to do this forever and I'm never going to stop. And it's going to be a core piece of how I operate my life. And like someone asked me the other day, how do I do my Twitter? Because it kind of looks like I tweet all day. Like, do you sit down? Do you write? I'm like, no, like there's, there's zero planning. I just Let have a thought and rip. It's like, that's such a different, such a different way to operate in life. Right. It's like, versus a normal person where like, I, I do that subconsciously almost like it's biological. 
and it's kind of fucked up to talk about that like that but that's just how it is and yeah. i love that game that's 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 where i'm at like no productivity no systemization no scheduling none of that shit like all i want to do is just like be completely in flow with no slu- i call it like content sludge like the the shitty content the trash content that comes in your mind no sludge get the pipes completely clean and then just exist and the only goal when i wake up is like make something dope that's it and just like keep and just do that every single day and I think if you do that, the thing is most people have a really hard time realizing the impact they can have over five years. Like they, they cannot, like it's, it's the, the thing with the grain of rice over 30 days, right? If you double it, you're like after the 30th day, it's the rice is like bigger than the earth or something. You, p- humans just are not good at understanding the size of compounding at, at length, like in distance. So the thing is they try to over-optimize and do the productivity shit because they can only understand like a week or a month at a time. It's really hard to understand 10 years at a time. But I'm I'm trying I'm trying so hard to just like pare back everything because I think the more sludge you get in the pipes, the more systems and like I got to do these three things in the morning before I can do X. Like the more you do that, the less flow and the the flow is where the gold is. I I've found you just got to let it rip. That's why I give shit on like content strategies and all these rip. guys selling content systems. It's like no, that's not how you build a real audience. That's how you can do what kind of like Roberto was saying. Like you you know it's a part of your business and all this stuff. Like and that's fine. But if you're after this other game, which I think a lot of these people are, where it's like a core part of your life is putting your message out there, it is super hard to do if you're not just letting it rip because people can feel that, like you said, feel the energy, feel the love you put into your work. And there is something about it where like if you have an idea and you tweet it right now versus having that idea and tweeting it next week, it is a very different effect on the world. The energy evaporates. Like the the, the energy and the, the ripples it creates and the responses is just... Roberto and I, I have come full circle on the course shit because initially we were both like, yo, fuck courses. It seems so schemey. We don't want to do the trust thing. Then we circled back to like, okay, we need, we want to extract value from the knowledge we have. And also if we don't do a course above board, someone else schemier is going to do it on the same topic where they're actually stealing people's money. Like we kind of want to give them the insight. And so we like, we, we made an outline and we were like, okay, we should do this. And now I'm like back full circle where I'm like, yo, None of the people that I actually admire have ever put a course out. Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Ronnie Feig. These people don't make courses. They just make dope shit. <laughs> like, like if you, if you make a course, so, so that, that's where I'm, but the, the struggle is courses are actually the best way to disseminate knowledge to many people at once. Like maybe at, at the time, Walt Disney taught a course in college where, or like in a local community college where no one knew about it. And like, think of all that juice that was only going to 30 people because like the, the model of physical college is just really inefficient to scale. Maybe he would have made a course if the rails were there because that would have been able, he would have been able to broadcast, like maybe Kobe would have made a course on storytelling to a hundred thousand people if he, you know, if he got there, unfortunately. So that, that's the one thing about courses where I'm like, it has been schemified by all these sleazy snake oil salesmen, but actually as a medium for distributing knowledge, it's like, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, my only caveat to that is, uh, or I don't know if caveat's the right word, is uh, I think, I agree with you in general. I think there's a lot of value to learning courses. It just depends on your goals. Like I think if you want to have this kind of like back to what Roberto was saying, if it's a part of your business or you want to have a personal brand and just you know drive leads to your speaking, that courses are great. But I, I and, and yeah, to like learn how to make content, like to learn how to make videos like you guys, right? I have no idea how to do that. I would need a course or I would need something. But if you want to be this outlier creator success, you have to figure out the the, the 99% of it is fi- figuring out this thing that is impossible to be taught. So it's like, yeah, for, for like tactical stuff and like how to do this, courses are great. But for the thing that 
if you want this outlier result, which no one basically no one will get except like 0.001%, you you literally have to do something that you can't be taught, I think. I, I mean, I can speak on this because I have a course and people don't know this because I've only ever put it on my story once. And this is how conflicted I am, right? Well, first of all, it's incomplete just because I've made seven videos out of the 20 that I wrote down over the course of like six months. I've only ever talked to and linked it once in my story and it made like 20 grand. And so if I actually were to just go all in on this, the amount of money that I could make is absurd. But again, I'm like constricted. I'm like a prisoner. Maybe I'm in a trap of my own brain where I'm like, I don't want to be bucketed in this category. I want to do something a lot greater than this. And so again, I'm sacrificing that short term. And like that, it's kind of like almost like my, my backup plan. If nothing else works, let me just go all in on this. Maybe I could do seven figures, whatever. Right. But, but my aim is a little more long-term, but at the same time, all of the feedback that I've gotten from like the, I think there's 75 students in there. All the feedback that I've gotten from it has been so positive. You, holy shit, you made me think. I didn't realize I could, like, I've, I've opened their eyes to the point where the ROI that they've gotten from the initial investment has been, like, 10x maximized. And so I'm going back and forth, and I think what Callaway and I found, like, the, the reason that courses are so stigmatized is just because, like, almost like anything else, the same way that, like, in Web3, so many things were stigmatized. Like, 99% of it is just so scammy. It's, uh... I, I say we've entered the pyramid meta on the internet where people are escaping the nine to five by selling courses that show them how to escape <laughs> the nine to five or people are, are selling courses on SaaS or how to trade crypto. And they're like, this is so incredibly lucrative. If it's so lucrative, why are you spending all Training. of your time not yeah. doing the thing, but instead teaching how to do the thing. And so like, there's so much, I understand why it's so stigmatized even in my own brain. Yeah. You did it in like a tasteful way though. I, th I think I saw the thing you launched and it looked cool. Like it, you didn't go crazy pushing it. Like there, to me, there was no trust lost there. It was just, you made this cool thing. And like there, like I took, what did I take? Jack Butcher, right? He's a good example. He fucking made a lot of his money from yeah. the start from selling courses. Like all, I, I mean, Hormozy, like Hormozy, that's how he got to where he is to the point yeah. where he was able to, it was a, a glorified gym course. He was just smart and branded it under, you know what, you know what the difference is then? And like the through line between them, which is interesting is they both sold courses that were not under their name, which is interesting, right? Mm, Jack sold courses under visualized value. Hormozy, I barely consider a course seller because he had a company called Gym Launch, right? It's like, though it's not them. That's Smart I think thought. the difference yeah. actually. It's like, ours, ours and, is, like mine's with Digital Jeff and it's like under a different name, Unsigned. And he's like the main driver. Cool too. Like, and, and so, but- yeah, uh, So that's cool. But it's like, yeah, like Jack, loss, but and I, Jack's, Jack's courses, sorry to interrupt you. Jack's courses actually were great and like helped me. But to me, like that wasn't even like a, it's hard to explain. Yeah. So like, okay, look, part of this is me being like a, trying to be funny and like, I like calling yeah, enemies out, but I think overall you, you agree with me though. It does like as a whole, 100%. it's like, my, my thing is that I feel like the, the best courses are the ones that are made by people that probably are overqualified to make it. And the reason they make it is just cause they want to share the sauce they learned. So like Jack, Jack was so good. He didn't like most people that would make a design course are like fledgling designers that are just trying to extract value. Jack was already like, he did make a ton of money from it for sure, but he could have eaten on consulting and freelance projects forever. He didn't need to do the course. He did it cause he thought it was a superior business model, but also like the, the, the sauce inside was really impressive. Same with, I would, I would think same with Hormozy. That's why Roberto's the one he made works worked so well is cause Roberto doesn't need to make a course. He's he's so good at making the videos. Like he could monetize other ways, but he made it because you like, and I don't want to speak for you, but like you like helping others. Like that, there are a lot of people that could benefit from making short form videos for their business and they don't know how to do it. So like, I think the issue is when like, 
it's not about age, but like when 23 year olds that don't have the skills are selling the course to learn the skills they don't have and haven't practitioned, that's where like it really, it diluted the whole brand of the word. Like we were even trying to be like, what do we call it? That's not a course. Cause we don't even want to take the chance that like it would dilute our brand, you know, but we didn't do it. I'll say it quickly. I'm a fan of like the workshop model that a lot of people are doing now. I think that's pretty cool. Like the 30 day sprints, right. Of yeah. Like different things. I think that's interesting. And that's like, you're not really teaching. You're just kind of bringing these people together to learn together. You are teaching too, but like those I think are cool. Yeah. I, w I would say that if you're teaching like a real tangible skill, so I've actually taken two courses that both of them, my ROI and the dollar was huge. One was Dan Coe's. I was like, I want to learn how to be a better writer. That taught me so much. The other one was uh traff. T-R-A-F, who's a killer designer, and he has a course on Framer. But those, those are like tangible skills that they're teaching, right? And so I think that, so like Callaway, if you and I ever wanted to do it, I think it's a good idea. Zach, if you ever wanted to do it, if you're teaching like a tangible skill, yours is a little trickier because like you said, it's not something that you can really teach. It's something that you have to live. Like how do you teach, uh, you know, be willing to, to eat shit for four <laughs> years? Like that's hard to teach. I get it. Well, yeah, and I couldn't even teach writing. Like I, I think I'm a decent writer and I can't really teach it. It's like, I can teach you how to sound like me, like a 20% mm. version of me. That's my problem with courses for like, like I said, when you want, you, you can't learn how to be an outlier yeah. in a course. It literally is the opposite. Curse courses are learning from outliers how to become average, basically, at a thing. If you're trying to learn something that's not super tactical, right? Well said. That's, that's, so, a, good, that's, that's a, a good frame for it. Yeah. We, I do feel like the video editing is tactic, like is tangible and we'd be good at teaching it. That's why I'm like, damn it. Like it actually would be helpful. But, but yeah, that is, it's a good debate because the thing is most of the ideas for monetization in my head, they come from a point of like, what could I build? Not what does the user need? Like not what is the pain point that I'm desperate to solve? It's more like me being like, oh, like where could I pull value out? And I just think that just that frame is just not authentic enough. Like it, it will sacrifice trust, right? You'll burn trust coins like that. I just don't. You can't live there forever, though, because then you'll never make enough money to reinvest in the thing and you, you'll be sputtering forever. That's the that's the tough balance. Well, part of part of this also is me hating a little bit, I think, because these guys making a lot of make a lot more money <laughs> than me in the short term from these courses. So that's like just being transparent. I think that's part of it. But it's also like I just want to step. I want to take myself out of this creator category as quickly as possible. I think I'm starting to sort of but like this category of like the Dan Coe's and like these guys like or, or like the, the people below Dan Coe, especially like this whole like group. I just want to go beyond that to like get the, the Andy Frisellas of the world, like the Ed Milets, like those guys yeah. are like in a different league and I just want to get there. I have to deserve it. But like, I just think you play these smaller games, you can get caught here for decades. I totally I, agree with like that. my worst nightmare. Where do, where do you, I mean, like in 10 years from now, like is, and granted, this is an unfair question because you're at the beginning of the journey and there's a trillion different things that you can do, but is it, is it a physical location? Like the, the, uh, the Soho house, like the darker obsessed Soho house that you've been talking about is it books? Is it, is it TV? Is it movies? Like what, what do you think is ultimately what you're working towards? And, and I get it. I, it's an unfair question, but I, I wanted to see if you've had any of these thoughts like sort of formulated. Yeah, it's tough. I've been thinking about this because there's, there's someone I met who had this like ultra specific goal of what he wanted to do over decades, right? Like his pinnacle, right? The pinnacle is the end of the obsession basically path. After that, often people restart and find a new pinnacle, right? Like Arnold going from bodybuilding to movies, but regardless, he had this ultra specific one and it's like, oh, it's so simple. And that's what he's going to line up for for decades. I don't really have that. Right. So it's like, um, for me right now, like a, a sort of specific version of it is like, okay, artist, athlete, entrepreneur. It's like 
make art that is literally the, the greatest in the world while it's around. It's like, so have like the best selling book in the world. It is uh, athlete, right? Break some type of record, be the best in the world at one type of thing, which I, I think I can do with the marathon running at like this heavier weight class. Um, and then it's like with the business side, I don't know. It's like uh, Tony Robbins, I, on, I heard makes 7 billion from his portfolio a year. It's like, I think I can make a billion, right? Like that'd be pretty cool. That to me is like pretty much the pinnacle. Um, so that's like sort of, I yeah, think like but broad. my mindset, but honestly, it's like, it's like broad. It's like, it's like, what if I, like, I didn't know I was going to get into running until this year. Right. So it's like, what are the vehicles for obsession going to be? I don't know. It might not exist yet. Like with the AI stuff, right. There's probably going to be this whole new type of medium that doesn't exist in five years. And like it, like video games, movies, right. It's like, there's going to be this new thing, I think, or many new things. And like, what's that called? I, Who's going to be the I best in the world? A, I have that? an idea for one that I think you can maybe get ahead of, but I tell me it. Yeah. I like, I, I hesitate to say, cause I could be a hundred percent wrong. Cause I'm wrong in so many things, but mixed reality, right? Like the vision pro that's coming out. I'm thinking like when I do the fitness experiences in mixed reality headsets that are like completely rudimentary compared to where they're going to be. It's actually pretty incredible to the point where like, I will like one day, maybe we'll be able to box against Mike Tyson and like high ticket clients who want to pay, you know, a hundred thousand dollars an hour to like box against him in VR. But where I'm looking at run cult and I'm like, yo, there's a really, really massive opportunity to bring that into the mixed reality medium. Of course, it'll never, it'll never, uh, be as impactful or as important as like actually being in person in a physical location. But like having that open as Equinox, mixed reality Equinox, where it's like a $50 a year membership to be able to participate in like these group courses, but also there's like more to it, right? And it's like almost like a status play, like you're part of the obsession cult. But if you bring obsession into this mixed reality realm, right now it's a little bit tricky to visualize because it is clunky. It's not in too many people's households across America or the world. But in four or five years, I think the proliferation, I think we'll see it in like 40, 50% of households and the ergonomics and form factor is going to get way better. I think there's an opportunity to build uh, a physical and mixed reality component to like this obsession club where you could charge monthly to just be a part of this, this group. Um, I think so. A hundred percent, something like that. Yeah. Like that's kind of the goal. It's like to give you a more specific answer, it's like just obsession becomes a religion basically obsession becomes this not actually a religion but like basically the same feeling of a religion where it's just like something all around the world people believe in it and they spend their life like identifying with it and it helps them become the greatest version of themselves that's that's basically a religion right and like live their best life and you know as as big of a concept in culture as like stoicism if not bigger right like that's like a tactical vision and yeah it's like I want to crush the art side. I want to have books and movies and all of this. And I want to crush the business side and have incredible brands and, you know, an in-person compound, like, uh, the dark place, you know, uh, the dark, I mean, maybe it's called the dark place. I don't know. One thing I'm actually going to do, Roberto, you'd like is I want to start doing like one big idea I have, which I think is so sick with my videos is like, so when I run, I go to the dark place, right? That's like the hard part of run. I want to create like a, you know, you guys see yeah, stranger yeah. things. The upside down. Yeah. My it's sister like, wrote, you know, uh, season one and two. No way. Yeah, she was that's the founding crazy. writing team. Yeah, yeah. That's Are you crazy. serious? Damn, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, she wrote the character uh, line for Eleven. Damn, that's sick. I did not no, know that. Super familiar. What? I went to like the Stranger Things premieres and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I she's she's a killer, sister, man. She's actually... Uh, what else has she written? Uh, I don't know if it's under NDA. Other stuff? Cool. She, she's creating something for the Vision Pro on behalf of Damn, that's Apple. so wow. sick. I, I might sick. tell you to to edit this out, Callaway, because I don't know if she's under yeah. NDA. She did... Um, uh narcos mexico she did uh um, wow. wait is this the sister? Sister? Show on hbo oh, yeah. with with bateman yeah. 
You were saying she's a journalist. Yeah, no, anyway, she's, a so, she's a savage writer. She's she's like different. She's like so more cool. script writer than like sure. you know, a generalist. That's but sick. Um, yeah, no, she, so she's cool, a killer. Though. So so uh, yeah, uh, that is so cool. So yeah, my idea is uh, like Stranger Things. They have the upside down. I want to create like the dark place version of New York City, so that when I go to the dark place on these mm -hmm. runs, like boom, New York changes and like black and white blood dripping down the streets and like stepping in puddles of blood and like demons chasing <laughs> behind runners like you can kind of picture it and like that. i want to do like i want to do like a, a filter on instagram first like that's pretty easy to do so someone could go like i get tagged in run footage all the day every day it's like i want people to go on their runs and record themselves in the dark place isn't that a cool idea and like tag me in it so dope i gotta i gotta figure out how to make that maybe you have some advice for me but like i want but, that filter but bro that dude imagine me idea. being able to run next to you in this mixed reality yeah, i'm yeah. telling you in three four years that's sure. gonna be such It'll a, be a thing well, soon, eventually, dude, what, dude, when you can run, like, outside with, like, a mixed reality glasses on, which it, we're, you could probably already sort of do that with some tech. It's, like, that The, the Ray-Ban smart glasses like, are not far away. Like, I don't know how far they are from the, getting the, the lenses I mean. to work. Well, that's what I mean. We're, we're pretty close from that. It's, like, it's like that shit's going to be crazy. You can go run through, like, Mario Kart courses, like, outside, right? Like, that's going to be cool. If I... So and, anyways, I think you'll hit it big somehow in, in that medium when it's ready three, four, five 100%. years from now. Because I love like, uh, there's a girl downstairs. Uh, she has an office downstairs. Her name's uh, Caro. She's cool, really big on Instagram, actually. And she like, she's calls herself like a mixed media artist. So she basically plays with all these mediums and turns them into like mostly like fashion pieces. But I think that's so cool to like just play around with like every single medium, right? And like bridge them together i think that's, that's the dope. sickest thing ever i'm trying to do that right now sort of if i had to guess like all so everything you have on the table right now like all the little like streams or all the little threads if i had to guess which one has the most uh could, would be the biggest like i think i think there's something you haven't even started yet that's probably going to be the biggest thing you do but of the ones you've started right now the the one that i feel like has the most reach is the obsession year because i think of that a lot like the 75 hard basically like some version of that and that 75 hard is so big like that's so much bigger than andy himself and like it has changed like danny miranda talks about that a lot it's changed so many people's lives in that it's just like a binary switch once you do it you're different forever i think the obsession year has that same core dna to it in a way now what that means and like how you actually facilitate the obsession year and like help people actually do it and stick to it or whatever i'm not sure but of all the little kernels of the ideas i actually think that one as like an experience or something for people so far, if I had to predict, I think has the most legs. People have told me that too, actually. Yeah. Even more so than like the obsession arc, which is like shaving your head and like focusing like obsession year is even better. I think that's true. It, yeah. I'm, I'm still playing with it. Like, what is it? Like, I think the simplest way to do it is you obsess over something and you do it every single day for a year, but it's like 75, 75 hard is so great. And I agree. It's like one of the best. It's also one of the best pieces yeah. of marketing ever. Not that he like, I'm, I don't know if he, how much he consciously thought of that, but like the amount that did for first forum, you, Andy's company, you can't even quantify. It's like, yeah, it's insane. And, uh, so it's like, um, and that's the thing. It's like way more people know 75 hard than Andy, which is like, it's that crazy. means your movement's working. That's kind of my goal with obsession. It's the same thing. So it's like, but 75 hard works because it's so simple and tactical. It's like, this is it. Go do this obsession. Your has to have that same simplicity to it. So there I'm working on that. I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. It's like, what is I, you could say, I think one way is like make one of these every day. So it could be go for a run every day or make a video every day, or write a blog every day. That's probably what it is. I mean, you see this um, a lot, like on TikTok, there's a few yeah. people like Adrian Purr, I think got famous mostly because he did the, he made a video for 365 days in a row. He didn't call it the obsession year and he didn't like 
put framing around it, but that's basically what he did. He got huge. I think people, fans buy into like a journey where there's something daily and there's a finite end to it because they're like, oh, where are they now? A lot of people do like the 30 day challenges or the 75 hard. There's something there for sure. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know exactly what it is. It could be as simple as just like, even if you don't even have to build anything, but even if you built like some little tiny piece of software, like a widget on someone's phone where like every day they woke up and it was just like, you got to do this one thing today. And they like checked it off as simple as that. Right. It, it, I just think there, there's something cool there. I think it should be like making one thing a day. Cause I think that is how your life changes. Like people, right. People was one of the most obsessed people ever. He made a piece of art every single yeah. day. Right. Like I cried watching his, I cried watching his documentary like two years ago or a year ago when he started blowing up. Cause it's like, Oh my God, it's insane. This guy's just sat in his bedroom and made a piece of art every day. It's like, uh, that shit. And, is the and most wasn't amazing like really financially rewarded no. for like 15, yeah. 20 years later, which is the greatest part about this. That's true obsession. That's so sick. I mean, um, Gary V too is similar. Like Gary V was financially rewarded, but like, dude, he didn't ask for anything and then started V friends and how much money did he make on that? Right. Yeah, Crazy. Man. So it's like, have you, um, yeah. and I know you have to go soon, but have you tried to grab the handle obsession on Instagram? I'm looking, they just posted like, they posted no, like two months to... ago. It's like a newer, I feel like if you DM really? them, you could maybe get it. Oh, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're doing anything. I have, worthwhile. I have, I have follow up. I have follow obsession. I have to go check that out. I have to try it. Yeah. There's some backdoor ways we can make that happen. I think that would be sick. I want that. Um, I'm very, I love having cool you handles. creator economy too, right? Yeah, I need to get rid of that. I need to. Like, that. I hate the word creator. I hate the word. <laughs> I tried to sell uh, that, it last year. No one, no one wanted though, to There's, buy it, dude. Yeah. No one wanted to buy it. I like if you want to buy that creator economy, I, I would sell it for not. I mean, I think it's worth a good amount of money. So, I think it's uh, worth a lot. I like follow so, obsession as well. Like, yeah, if you can't get the obsession, the I do like follow obsession because it tells you what to do. Right, like literally hit the one. follow button. And that's been my bio, and that's been my bio. Follow obsessions. Now Tag I can just, once I start mm. making content under that, I'll just it'll just be in my bio. Yeah, that's kind of sick. That's sick. I like that a lot. We have we have good branding for Run Colts too. We have at Run Colts and we have RunColts.com. Nice. Sick. That's that's the best. When that's how you know an idea is good. When you, uh, it's like how was yeah, this yeah. not taken yet? That that sentence. That's how you know an idea is good. And um, it's so hard to do nowadays, man. Anytime I'm starting like a new ben- venture business, I'm like, possible. okay, I want a name that's clean that I can get the clean handle on social media and a clean TLD. It's like forget impossible. it nowadays, man. It's yeah. impossible. It's crazy. Dope. I mean, we could probably talk for hours. Yep. I know you probably got to go, but thanks a lot for coming on. First guest, smashed it. I really like this format, to be honest. Like, we're just chopping it up. I, I love it. Um, like we, like Roberto said, just, just the, boys. the boys. The boys hanging in the dark place. That's It's it's as simple as that. We're, we know you're going to be big. All right. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Bro, and I'm 10 years older, and you've inspired me. Like, I'm about to, like, after this, I'm going to the to the gym with my boy Hubble and like we're we're like it's not the obsession year because we're we started too late because January whatever but uh let's hit an obsession quarter sit an obsession you can start the obsession year any no this is actually a big thing about you can start the obsession year whenever you want because like you don't want to live by a calendar start the obsession year anytime you want all right we're starting today let's go this is the perfect day to start we got Zach on the pod we're starting today good love it boys I appreciate the love a lot oh yeah I appreciate it boys so much thank you all right brother